Welcome to part one of Health System CIO's podcast interview with Jim Daly, CIO at Washington Regional Medical System. In this segment, Daly talks about the multi-year phased approach his team is taking to consolidate onto a single EHR, how they were able to use the interoperability challenges during COVID to their advantage in selling to the board, why he's made it a priority not to rely on consultants during the implementation, and his thoughts on how CIOs can create a stable environment during unstable times. So can you start by giving an overview of the organization, um, just pretty high level where you're located, um, bed size and things like that? Sure, sure. So we're we're Washington Regional Medical System. Um, We're the only not-for-profit, community-owned, and locally-governed healthcare system in Northwest Arkansas. So we are located in Fayetteville and have um, a 425-bed medical center and uh, more than 55 clinic locations uh, across the Northwest Arkansas corner. Um, We have uh, a little over 3,200 employees and uh, a little more than 400 folks on our medical staff. And uh, we're the region's only Heart Institute um, Level 2 Trauma Center. And we also have a Neuroscience Institute with a Comprehensive Stroke Center certification. So, um, you know, we're, a, we're a, a, a definitely um, broad service lines to, to make sure that our community is well served with healthcare. Okay. And I saw in, in the description community owned. Um, what does that mean, just, just from your point of view? Well, so we're not governed by, you know, a broader organization, um, you know, with shareholders and, um, you know, a, a broad corporate um, governance, um, you know, like a, a Mercy or CHC or, or, or some of those systems. Um, right. So, you know, our, our board is made up of folks that, you know, live in Northwest Arkansas. And so, you know, for us, community-owned is is really more of, you know, we we're we're there to serve the community, but then the community helps serve us by providing some governance and stewardship, and um, you know, directional uh, guidance, um, so that you know we're making sure that we're serving the best interests of the community. Okay. Okay. And in terms of um, the EHRs, what what do you have in the hospital and the clinics? Sure. So, so in the hospital, we are, are on Cerner, um, Cerner Millennium, and uh, in the ambulatory space, we we have a number of different um, EHRs. Um, you know, at, over the past let's say ten to fifteen years, we've grown um, this clinics by acquisition and had taken a strategy that, you know, for those providers that are coming into the system, they can stay on their own EHR. And, you know, over the years, we've spent a lot of time and resources to try to make those interoperable. Um, Over the last couple of years, we've focused on, um, you know, really consolidating the number of of EHRs that we have in in the ambulatory setting and and really kind of made the bold move last year to say, okay, we're going to consolidate on Cerner. So we started a project um, late last year to move our entire enterprise over to Cerner. And so, you know, a a cute 
ambulatory and portal. And you know, by doing that, we are able to create a true longitudinal patient record, um, solve some challenges that we have with interoperability across the clinics, and then provide a, a more seamless um, experience, both for our providers, but also for our patients in terms of portal and um, patient engagement tooling. Okay. That's something we're super excited about, by the way. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Um, so it, it was kind of recently that the decision was made. So what, what are the, like, uh, what are really the next steps when you look at that initiative? Yeah. So it's a multi-year uh, program for us. So mm-hmm. we kicked it off late last year and, um, you know, we were taking kind of a phased approach and bringing our clinics on discerner, um, you know, we have three phases starting primarily with our specialty clinics. Um, many of those providers already work in the hospital and are uh, familiar with Cerner. So, you know, we thought the, the change might be a little bit more um, seamless for them, um, but also really take advantage of, of that interoperability and longitudinal patient record for those um, specialists. And then the, the, uh, the two additional phases are bringing over fi- uh, family practice uh, clinics and um, OBGYN um, services. Um, so we, we hope to finish that um, by the middle of 2022. Um, and our first go live is scheduled in September of this year. So uh, as you can imagine, it's been a challenge to, you know, get that project going while, you know, dealing with the pandemic yeah. and uh, making sure that we're, we're making steady progress and, um, you know, we'll provide a quality product, um, you know, go live. Sure. And um, you said that the first pilot is supposed to be, is is scheduled for this summer? Uh, um, September. September 1st is our first first planned go live for our first, what we're calling phase one of our products. Okay. And, um, uh, you know, like like you just alluded to, I can imagine that that it's easy to uh, you know carve out the resources needed for this. But um, as far as putting together a team, is this something where um, you are there is like a, a team or committee being created, or how are you approaching that as far as having the staff um, necessary? Yeah. yeah, it's a good question. Well, you know, when we when we went to our board um, last year to talk about this this initiative. Um, you know, it's really important for us to talk about, well, why now? You know, we're, we're right in the middle of a pandemic. There's some yeah. uncertainty of what's coming up in, in 2021. And, and, you know, what we talk through is that, you know, the, the, the some of the key challenges we have in terms of um, interoperability, um, uh, provider visibility in the patient record, uh, patients having access um, in a seamless way to us, um, you know, kind of really were exacerbated by, um, you know, the pandemic. And so we really, you know, kind of used it as a call to action to say, well, why not now? You know, we can yeah. um, support uh, pandemic response uh, while we're making progress towards moving to our future. And so, um, you know, had a great vote of confidence from the board, our executive leadership, our physician community, and then we began, you know, really thinking through how we carve out the bandwidth with our team, because we, we believe it's very important that, you know, our employees are the ones that are leading us towards the future uh, versus 
hiring a group of consultants to come in and handle the implementation for us. So, yeah. you know, we're taking a strategy where we're, our, we're using our internal employees. Um, you know, this is a key enterprise initiative for us. So we're putting a high priority on it. And then, um, you know, using contract resources to backfill our employees where we need to, to make sure we're providing support for our legacy systems or our future legacy systems while we're able to move forward with, um, you know, with the future. So it's, you know, it, it, it'll be a challenge, but so far our team has really embraced it, um, you know, across the enterprise, you know, not just our IT team, but, you know, also our, our clinician leadership and our executive team, you know, make sure we're all kind of moving forward in the same direction and, uh, you know, have, have the full support of, of um, you know, that enterprise community behind us. So, so it's, it's a challenge, but, you know, we, we've got, I think, all the support we need to be successful. Right. And it's really something where I would imagine um, you can point to uh, point to that why, you know, why now? And um, people understand the, the benefits of this in the long term, but it is the challenging part just kind of making sure that, that you do have enough uh, resources and are able to, to put forth everything that's going to be needed um, in the short term? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly, you know, a challenge to do that. Um, and, you know, we've been able to balance our team, uh, our applications team that, that will focus on this to, um, you know, provide that level of support that's needed. And, and I should say, you know, Cerner really stepped up to the plate in providing their support as well. Um, you know, the, the other thing that I think is interesting, so I've been part of you know, many um, system implementation projects, um, particularly on the health plan side, where, you know, you have 100% custom development of a solution, and then you've got um, the other end of the spectrum where, you know, you're just kind of taking things out of the box. And clearly a custom solution where you're kind of building from ground up requirements um, takes a lot more effort and time to implement as opposed to taking something out of the box. And I think we're striking a good balance in terms of our approach. You know, Cerner brings, you know, tons of expertise in terms of, of build configuration and templates that we can leverage. And so, you know, one of our objectives is to standardize as much as possible yeah. so that, you know, we can gain some efficiencies along the way. Um, and, you know, taking that approach, I think streamlines the implementation, you know, don't, don't get me wrong, it's still a big effort, you know, um, takes a lot of resources, a lot of time. Um, however, I think with, with that approach of aiming towards standardization, leveraging the industry best practices that we'll get from Cerner, I think helps, um, you know, helps us meet meet those objectives of, of uh, you know, delivering a high quality product and making sure they um, that we're delivering what we think we're going to get. You know, one of our our clinician leaders had a great line. He said, you know, we want to make sure that we're building, when we build the toaster, that it makes good toast. Like, okay, yeah, totally get that, you know. <laughs> right. You don't want a toaster that does something else, you know. So um, that's kind yeah, of our, exactly. one of our mantras at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Okay. And then based on the first phase, um, would you plan to make make adjustments if needed as far as the planning of the, the subsequent phases or just kind of, kind of, you know, see how things go and, and what arises there. 
Yeah, what, what a great question. So, you know, as we get started in, in building, you know, out Cerner, when we build Cerner out, um, you know, one thing we don't want to do with the first phase is kind of build ourselves into a corner. And, yeah. you know, we've got, you know, a large group of stakeholders across our clinics that will need to leverage some of the decisions that are made in that first phase. So we've addressed that through governance. Um, and, and so we have a group of physicians that will be part of the phase two and phase three go lives that are participating and representing the, their, their physician group um, to be able to participate in that decision-making and make sure that, that the, those phase two and phase three providers are represented in, in, in that decision-making. And so, you know, we hope that, you know, we, I'm sure we'll need to make adjustments along the way, but our hope yeah. is that we don't get ourselves in a situation in phase two where we need to redesign and rebuild something because it won't work for those phase two providers. So we've, we've, um, you know, kind of taken some of the, 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 you know, the resources from, from the future phases and bringing them forward in our current phase to make sure we mitigate that to the best we can. Yeah. Okay. And um, so as you had, as we had talked about before, um, you know, while, while all this is going on, we have uh, the pandemic and, and the fallout. And um, I yeah. wanted to talk about how that has affected things for you because it, you know, it really just has such a huge impact on things, but um, yeah, just, just some of your thoughts on, on that, especially as, you know, uh, as you stepped into the role. Sure, sure. Well, so, um, you know, my, my predecessor, uh, Becky McGee, had been with Washington Regional for um, 20 years. And prior to that, um, you know, had a very um, distinguished career in consulting and, and, and you know, a wide range of experience. And she announced her retirement early in uh, 2020. I think maybe 30 days before the pandemic hit. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And, and um, you know, one of the things that, you know, we tried to do, um, you know, really early on is, is um, you know, anticipating that, that I would succeed her in, in that role that, um, you know, we're kind of working in lockstep together. So I could kind of you know, accelerate any learning that I needed in terms of transition because we could anticipate that the future months would just be fast and furious and and just so much activity. So, you know, starting, um, you know, with, with the, the declaration of the pandemic, you know, we had to stand up a COVID screening clinic, um, actually multiple screening clinics. We had to scale a remote workforce, implement the telemedicine solution, um, and you know provide general support you know so that we could continue to provide service not only to our, our COVID uh, patients but also non-COVID patients in the community is you know our, our objective is to meet the needs of the entire community so um you know it, it, it was pretty incredible uh, of what our team had, had accomplished last year and i'm just super proud of, of them and and you know we really did that through collaboration with our stakeholders and really spending time to make sure we understood some of the workflow that was being requested and then aligning technology 
to, to that workflow to make sure that we, we met the need. Um, you know, the other piece of that, that, um, you know, you probably hear a lot about is, you know, there's just so much change that have occurred really across our, our industry um, in terms yeah. of technology, wh whether it's remote work or um, implementing telemedicine that, um, you know, sometimes information security can kind of go by the wayside. And we purposefully um, made, made the, the agreements that we would not do that. You know, we, we made sure that our director of information security was involved in all of our technology decisions and provided guidance, um, not just to us in terms of implementation, but also um, to our vendor partners and, and providing them with input and suggestions so that the, the solutions that we implemented to support those capabilities um, you know, didn't put us at risk in front of, in, yeah. in, or a greater risk, I should, uh, is probably a better way to put it from an information security perspective. So, you know, do, doing all those things while, um, you know, acclimating to moving into a CIO role <laughs> was certainly <laughs> challenging. Um, yeah. And, you know, what, what it, it just, you know, it, it, this is demonstrated every day in our environment. It's because we have such a wonderful team, um, a, a team of executive leadership, um, you know, a great, um, great teammates, you know, all 3,200 Washington Regional employees, and also just an outstanding, um, you know, information services, biomed, information security, PBX communication, my entire team, just just fantastic group of people that are really dedicated to our community and just striving to make sure we're, we're doing everything we can to, to provide the best patient care possible. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can imagine that that was, uh, it was uh, just very challenging to, to step into the role at, this, at that point, but um, being already part of the organization, I'm sure really uh, played a huge part. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, yeah, you, you, you knew the organization, but still it is, it is, I can imagine, you know, was an adjustment. And um, what do you think, well, actually, I should say, what, what was your approach? Like, how did you approach that, um, you know, uh, taking on the CIO role and um, like, did it change the way that, that you, um, I don't know, did it change your relationships or how did you kind of just approach that, uh, that change? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I really, you know, the, the thing that I had going for me, you know, as you mentioned is, you know, I'd been with the organization for almost three years already at, at that point. And so I had a lot of the relationships established. Um, and, um, uh, you know, o over the course of, I'd say, the last two years, we have had uh, new executive leaders in our organization. So we had a, a number of retirements over the last couple of years. And so, um, you know, while I had existing relationships, there were also new relationships that I needed to build at, at a different level. So as opposed to at a director level, you know, really working at a, a C-suite um, you know, things from a C-suite perspective. And, and so really mm -hmm. my focus was making sure that I was really listening to those leaders to make sure I understood what their needs were. And, and yeah. we continue to do that. Um, 
you know, that I, I thought my the, the, the value that I can bring is to make sure that I can understand what the priorities are of the organization and be able to distill that into objectives that I can give to my team to execute. And, and so, you know, looking away from a director role where I'm, you know, leading the execution and moving into more of a strategic role was 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 pretty comfortable for me. I, I, I've had some strategic roles in the past, so so that wasn't necessarily new. But trying to manage all that while understanding that my team was dealing with a lot of change at the same time. So so not only am yeah. I moving into a new role, but um, you know, there were some organizational changes that I wanted to make that I, I was able to move forward with. And so there was change for those folks. And then there were change for, you know, the staff that were reporting into new directors. And and then, oh, by the way, you know, as we talked about earlier, everybody's dealing with change at home. So whether you've yeah. got, you know, sick family members trying to make sure your kids are staying up with their, um, you know, school activities, dealing with remote learning, um, you know, being, um, you know, part of the stay at home mandate, you know, there's just so much change for everyone in, in really every aspect of life and work that, you know, my, my approach is really just to under, you know, kind of acknowledge that and create an environment where, you know, people had flexibility and felt like they were supported and um, making sure that we had clear direction and priority so that, you know, folks had focus. So at least when they came in they, to work, they knew, okay, these are the four things that we're focusing on from a priority perspective. And I know for the most part, those things will be fairly consistent. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that was really my approach. And I, I think it's worked pretty well. But one thing that, that I did have to come to terms with is, you know, my, um, my, my style is, you know, to really focus on results and, mm-hmm. you know, try to get to those results as quickly as possible so we can move on to the next thing. And, and one thing I, I, I tried to be self-aware of, and sometimes I succeeded, sometimes I didn't, was, um, you know, recognizing that, we, you know, we could only go as fast as, um, you know, the folks that can execute can proceed and, and just trying to figure out, you know, how, you know, when, when we can push, and I say we, meaning myself and my leadership team, and when we need to back off and, you know, let people kind of, you know, acclimate to the change we were trying to push forward. So, yeah. you know, very challenging from a leadership perspective and something that, you know, I hadn't had a lot of practice with coming into the role. So um, a, lot, a lot of learning, which, which, is, which is nice. I, I like to learn. Yeah. So. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.